Welcome to Pilot Boys episode 98. Today we're going to do a college football deep dive with our very own Zach Smith at Menace to Sports. We're going to talk about certified lover boy, NFL football, Ben Simmons, Hurricane Ida, and Texas getting a little bit crazy. Uh, we're looking forward to spending this time with you. Welcome to the Pilot Boys podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. And we're back with the college football sprint with Coach Zach Smith. Pretty crazy first weekend of, wait, is it, actually for some teams, this was the second week of college football, right? Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's I saw that when I was watching the UCLA game, I was like, they played a game already? Right. <laughs> because somehow now we, we forgot how to count, right? Week zero. <laughs> yeah. What is week zero? Isn't that week <laughs> one? <laughs> yeah. Or like week week one half, or I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty crazy weekend. A lot of really really good games. Um, that I wouldn't necessarily say great games, but games that led to results that we weren't expecting. Uh, most most notably, <laughs> Clemson unable to score a, a touchdown <laughs> against. Georgia's defense. Does that say more about Georgia's defense or where Clemson's at? Because a lot of people are saying that we essentially Miami Clemson by beating them last year, and we're going to see a fall from grace <laughs> of Dabo and Clemson, like we saw with the U after we beat them. <laughs> There's no doubt. I mean, Clemson obviously didn't look look good. I mean, Georgia's defense. So when I watched the film back after watching it live, yeah, Georgia's defense was, I mean, freakish. Like, yeah, they, it was the best good. best performance on either side of the ball in the country that I saw. I mean, they were – their linebackers are absolute freaks. The way they can run, the way they can, you know, cover, the way they tackle, how hard they hit. Like, everything G Georgia did was insane. And so um, – Got a visitor, Zach. Got a visitor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it, it was – I don't even want to say that was the only reason because – Clemson's offensive line was terrible. The right side of their offensive line looked like a high school offensive line. DJ Uyangalele was, I mean, he was not great, but he also, the, the skill wasn't there. The run game wasn't there. You could tell Travis Etienne is gone. I mean, Clemson is so much worse than people thought they were going to be. Now, are they going to bounce back? They're in, a, they're in a soft league. They'll probably, they, they might even win out. I don't I actually don't think they will. I think they don't have another game. ranked opponent on their schedule except for no, maybe but, North, Car North Carolina. I think they play. Yeah, them. maybe North Carolina, Miami, BC. Those are the three yeah. teams that I think might beat them. But this is a Clemson team that I remember from four years ago, five years ago, where they were really good, but they would lose to Louisville or Pitt. You know, they'd lose yeah. to somebody. You're like, whoa, <laughs> didn't expect that. Back to normal um, for Clemson. And right. this, this this seems like the first year because the defense looked good. Obviously, it was Georgia. They're not ever they haven't they've struggled a little bit on the offensive side of the ball but what we've gotten used to with Clemson is a very dynamic offense with a lot of skill position players that are really really good and we didn't see that this week despite regardless of how good a defense was they would have the playmakers like a T Higgins or an Etienne who could go make a play for you and nobody was making any plays for them <laughs> in this game at all no, and you know what? People are going to talk about the Clemson defense because the media is <clears throat> so insistent on Clemson, you know, remaining up towards the top just because it yeah. makes some money. But what, what people won't talk about is Georgia ran the ball decent. 
right? And they couldn't throw the ball because their top like six receivers and tight ends were, were out with injury. So they didn't have options to throw the ball. JT Daniels didn't play poorly. It was just that they didn't have anyone to throw to. And so Georgia yeah. was able to solely focus on the runs. Zamir White still had like five yards of carry. I mean, it wasn't like they just were dominant on defense. Georgia was just without anyone. I mean, they had no one yeah. to throw the ball to. And so yeah. it's, I, I'm, I'm so down on Clemson. I was already down on Clemson, but now I'm really down on Clemson. Yep. Yep. Now, speaking about a team that you were up, up kind of high on last week that disappointed a lot of people was um, the Virginia Tech-North Carolina game. Yeah. It didn't seem like the quarterback played particularly well. Um, we know historically that Virginia Tech with Beamer could be a problem for anyone, but in the last yeah. few years, you're not worried about Virginia Tech beating anyone of, of note. Um but this game stood out. Like, what, what what were your takeaways? Was it more about Virginia Tech being better than we thought they were or North Carolina just not playing up to expectations? I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, people want so bad for North Carolina to be a thing, right? Because they have an NFL quarterback right now. They have Mac Brown. People just are dying for that to become a thing. Like back when Mac Brown was originally there, they had Dre Bly and all those great players People just want that to happen. One, because they want to see that storyline, right? Mac Brown goes back to North Carolina and builds back a successful program. And also, people are dying for another team to challenge Clemson. And so I, yeah. I kind of fell victim to it. I mean, I really like North Carolina. I wouldn't go as far as some of these analysts that actually put them in the playoff and thought they were, you know, they still don't have the line and don't have the defense and don't have the skill at the perimeter to be a Clemson. Right. And people wanted to act yeah. like that was going to happen this year solely because they have a quarterback. And I, you, that's an important thing, but it's not all that matters. Right. We saw that yeah. with Clemson's performance. Right. We see that all the time with a great quarterback who just doesn't have the surrounding supporting cast. And that's what Sam Howell has in North Carolina. Yep. Yep. Man. And outside of that, uh, we saw Oklahoma struggle a little bit against Tulane. That was a surprising, um, surprising game. Uh, not as close, maybe, as the score would have you believe, but still pretty close. Yeah, I mean, a five-point victory over Tulane when Oklahoma's the odds-on favorite to win the national championship, you know, going to the year, or top two. I mean, it's just – it was pathetic. I mean, their defense was poor. Uh, Spencer Rattler didn't play well. Um, they they really – it was, it was I don't know, shocking. That was probably one of the most shocking games of the weekend um, and one that I didn't see coming. Like, if you talk about the games I broke down on my show on Friday – the I think I broke down six games, Georgia. Yeah. I can't remember all of them, but but I know Penn State, Wisconsin, Georgia, um, Clemson, Notre Dame, Florida State. I mean, the only one I got wrong was the Florida State-Notre Dame game, and I still contest that the coaches screwed it up, and I actually got it right <laughs> Yeah, because Florida State should have won the game. So I, Oklahoma was the one. I, I had no idea. All the other ones I thought I knew what was going to happen, and I was pretty right. Oklahoma was the one. I, was, I think everyone was dead wrong. They just played but horrible. And this is this is the reason why no matter how highly ranked Oklahoma is and how talented they are in the last decade, I never really pay them much attention because I'm like, is their defense good or not? Is their defense even average or not? And if you don't even have an average defense, it doesn't matter if you can put up 50 points or even 40 points. If you can allow a team like Tulane to put up 35 points, then how are you going to expect to really be a contender? Your defense doesn't need to be great. But it needs to at least be average or above average. And it seems like Oklahoma, throughout the Stoops era and now um, 
the new era, they continue not to figure it out. It's not like they're not recruiting talented players. It seems to be a developmental thing uh, that happens. Or do you think it's because the offense is so explosive, so quick hitting, it puts so much pressure on a defense that it's hard to kind of even develop into a good defense? I'm going to be honest. I, I, it's, I think we need to send in like the FBI, CIA, send in everybody into the Big 12 Conference and find out what the issue is because you look at the Big 12 Conference and yeah. they, play, they play great offense and can't play defense. Like that doesn't make sense that someone eventually doesn't have a great defense. I mean, you look at what yeah. the Big 12 did this weekend. Oklahoma almost got upset by Tulane. Iowa State looked terrible against Northern Iowa. And Iowa State yeah. was a top 10 team, right? Supposed to be yeah. great. Kansas State beat Stanford and Stanford's extremely down. Baylor struggled with Texas State. Oklahoma State struggled with struggled with Missouri State. Yep. Right, the only team that had a good win was Texas. They beat the Raging Cajuns, who were ranked. Right, they were the twenty third yeah. team in the country. They beat them by twenty. So outside of Texas, the whole conference looked just like Terrible. garbage. Yeah, and it's yeah. like what after like a decade of watching this happen, it's like we need to. I mean, we need to test the waters, test the food. Something's something's going wrong there. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. West Virginia gets beat by Maryland, and I, I'm a Maryland fan. I, I projected, I predicted they would have a much better year this year, be much improved. But West Virginia losing to Maryland is another one. Like the conference is just, just pitiful. Yeah, and it's not because there's a lack of talent in the recruiting base. No, gosh, uh, no. There's plenty of guys who go from, who are in Texas, Oklahoma, who who even play at those schools, who go on to the NFL and have decent careers. It's just they're stuck at Oklahoma for four years as being the the only good player on a bad defense. It's, it's just it's unbelievable. And Oklahoma's defense is the most shocking because they improved so much last year. They have a great football coach, great, and Alex Grinch, the D coordinator, and they have talent. I mean, they have guys that last year had great years and were projected to have great years this year. I mean, it's just, it doesn't add up entirely. So I. I I actually didn't go back and study the film because I there was too many too many great games and I honestly just I don't know how you you justify watching that game when Oklahoma played so poor poorly but yeah yeah I mean pretty pretty wild and now going back to um, Ohio State who you know we I, it's weird Zach because I feel like I've talked to you but I just watched your watched your stream uh, breaking yeah. down the uh, the Ohio State game but. Uh, man, that was that was a nice kind of way to step into the season. We struggled a little bit, came through the adversity a little bit. What's your takeaway with that? And uh, you know, seeing Oregon have a, a pretty tight a uh, AV, you kind of went robot on us there. Um, but having Oregon have a pretty tight uh, win over Fresno, what what's it looking like for you with um, the game between Ohio State and Oregon this weekend? Well, I think a couple things. Um, one, Ohio State, that was it was a good first game, right? No one wants to say that because C.J. Stroud did not look very good. But guess what? Neither did D.J. Uyangalele. Honestly, the only quarterback in that situation who looked outstanding was Bryce Young at Alabama, and he is just absolutely surrounded by a freak show. Um, and, and so C.J. struggled. Uh, obviously, missing our top two corners didn't help. I thought we still rotated way too much. I mean, having our third string, four string corners in the game when it's close is just, it's absurd. And, and the, the linebacker rotation playing some of the kids as much as we did. I mean, I thought Cody Simon and Taraja Mitchell were excellent. Um, I thought the D line was great. Zach Harrison finally flashed on that strip fumble that Haskell Garrett scored on. So, so there was a lot of positives, right? Um, when you look at how the rest of the country did, it's like, well, it's a pretty good first game. We'll take it, right? A yeah. 14 point win. <laughs> against a good Minnesota team. 
And I think the other, you know, going into week two, you're like, ah, that would make you nervous, right? You're facing Oregon. Um, the, the two good good things are Oregon didn't look very good, and Kayvon Thibodeau, who's probably the best rush pass rusher in the country, one of the best DN slash outside linebackers in the country, left the game in a walking boot. So he's probably not playing against Ohio State, which is a blessing. And then uh, not for the kid. You know, you feel bad for the kid, but for Ohio State, it's good. <laughs> mm. And um, and they're back at home. C.J. Stroud can learn so much from what he did from week one to week two. I think Cameron Brown's going to be back. So I think there's a lot to make you feel good about this week two matchup. And I, I said, you know, months ago, if they can get through these two weeks, 2-0, and and just then grind out development through the meat of the schedule until they get to Penn State, they got a chance to go 12 and 0 and that's that's where we stand today if they can if they can beat Oregon which it looks like they they should be able to then this is going to be the perfect kind of ramp into the season and give them an opportunity to develop their players their roster their depth to try to make a run at the end yeah yeah the the, the thing that i continue to see over the last 2 years that's kind of troubling is the basic discipline things like the number of tackles we miss the, the the defense seems to really be having some issues at the second level, um, you know, and our secondary definitely um, played young. You know, I think those things can be fixed, some of the things with the secondary. It's just young players getting the, on the field and being being nervous and making some, some bad plays. But what I'm really concerned about is do we get – are we able to learn how to tackle? properly or our teams just going to be able to continue to run the ball all over us like we saw minnesota clearly has a very very good running back i don't want to take any credit away from him a great offensive line but we were getting bulldozed out there yeah i mean it was it was definitely unfortunate um and it, it's not a lack of ability you know i think it was a little bit rotational and i think that I, I can't speak to how training camp went, but you could tell that it was just a little different for, for the defense when they got in there. I would imagine it has they didn't do as many ones-on-ones, inside, inside run stuff. That's that's high collision, high high chance of injury type of drills, and it's tough. As a coach, you've got to balance getting your team ready, right, to, to play game one and not getting guys hurt, you know, for no – I don't want to say for no reason, but for minimal reason in a training camp practice, right? And so I think there will be a lot of improvement week one to week two that that's what's most exciting but it was it wasn't it wasn't like years past where i said okay it's there's some lesser athletes on the field that ohio state would like what i saw was some great athletes on the field now we just got to tune them up and and unleash them and let them go just sideline to sideline kick an offense's ass you know love that yeah love that. i mean obviously yeah fan, and we saw that, yeah just again say obviously as a fan that's what you want to hear right is that you have the talent on both sides of the ball. It's a matter of tweaking. I think to your point, Zach, it's nice to know that there are a couple of these challenges right up at the front of the season, and then they have some games to really work on it. Um, it's surprising to see that with the two tough games right off the bat, to your point, that they did cycle so many players throughout. Um, but I think that can also indicate just a, a, people are, I think, probably a little bit unsure with what's going to work now versus you know who showed out in camp who's going to work in front of the crowd right it's been i think but did they have any crowds last year playing at all uh they had like family and just family and friends there so a couple maybe a couple thousand yeah. at most i'm curious like the the changes of having a crowd and whether certain players you know there's always the guys who play better in front of people than others and some play worse in front of people but better in practice i'm curious how that's going to play itself out this year 
No, it's 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 going to be critical. And I don't know if you guys saw the the video of uh, Fox at the at the Wisconsin Penn State game when they did the jump around. But I'm telling you, I cried like I had a tear come out of my eyes watching it because it was like. First of all, Gus Johnson's narrating. So he's like, it's been 631 days since these fans have been able to watch. And I'm just sitting here like getting emotional. They're jumping around. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps talking about the video. That's how crazy it was. And then I'm like, wow. I tear up and a tear rolls down. I'm like, holy cow. Like, and I'm like to think I'm a pretty veteran college football guy, but I'm this emotional watching a video. So you can imagine the emotions that a player or a coach or a fan goes through on Saturday when they walk in the horseshoe and there is you know, a hundred thousand people there screaming and cheering. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be emotional for, for all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's just, it's great to just see the environment come back to what it, what it was last year seemed yeah. a little weird when we were watching games and it felt like if you watched the Japanese baseball, when they had like just a bunch of cardboard people and it's like, you just watching it. Like, is this like a game show? Is this a prank? Like it just didn't feel yeah, like it's crazy. Real sports. It's, yeah. it's crazy. And you know, one other takeaway that I had from the Ohio state game that I was happy to see, right. Was we saw both Mayan Williams and then we saw what Cravion Henderson potentially can do once his role expands. So, that's another takeaway is that we really do have a, a, a solid running game to support our dynamic passing game. That's going to support CJ as he develops um, and gets better as well. Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's just got to be, it's got to be implemented properly, right? We saw it last year with this master Teague experiment and it went on for 12 games. We didn't yeah. really employ Trey Sermon, I would say properly until the postseason. And then once we did, it was like breaking records, like explosive plays. And you're like, all right, let's make sure we don't do that again. And then game one against Minnesota, we went the top four backs each had a series. And it's like, well, this is not Akron, right? This is not a, a little game. Like this is Minnesota on the road. We need to play our best players. And I, I felt that vibe from the staff on offense and defense, specifically running back and corner, where it's like, whoa, guys, this is Minnesota. Like we got to go win this game. This is not a game to see, you know, kind of roll them all out and see who does well. You got to, you got to ride Mayan Williams and throw in Travion Henderson to get him reps. Cause you know, that's your future. He's going to be the guy that come week nine is playing the majority of the snaps and you're trying to, you know, get 200 yards out of them. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And we, we can't not talk about uh, the literal elephants in the room. Um, the Alabama Crimson Tide and, what they did dismantling. I don't know who they played, but they dismantled Miami. someone. They dismantled Miami, who was ranked, what, 14, I believe? Yeah, uh, I mean, going, a Heisman hopeful quarterback. I mean, yeah. it, that, it, that wasn't like Miami of five years ago. This team's supposed to be pretty good. Yep, yep. And it just seems like business as usual for Nick Saban, thinking two or three years ahead of people. And then you even saw, like, they, they took – our guy, Jamison Williams, and he had a 94-yard touchdown complete catch in, the, in his first game in, at Alabama. It's, it's like it's development. It just seems like they're just, they just know how to do everything right over there right now. I'm telling you, and I've, I've talked about it, I think, on your show, but I talk about it on my show all the time. Alabama's doing things so differently than anyone else. The sports science approach that they take, the sports science approach they take to development, to to player roles, right? Like Jamison Williams ran that route and was involved in that play because they had analytical reasons 
to use him and utilize him in that role, right? It wasn't just like, all right, let's throw a post to J-Mo. Like, it's not, it's, they don't just roll the dice. They're doing things on another level, and you watch it, and you're like, wow. I mean, that was, they were the only team in the country that didn't look like a week one team. They looked like midseason form immediately, and it's just, it's a testament to Nick Saban. It's a testament to the whole program, everyone on staff. I mean, it was, to watch Jamison do that, though, had it felt good for me. As much as it made me sick that it wasn't in scarlet and gray, it was good to see the kid on the field making plays like I know he's capable. Yeah, hundred percent. Sometimes a change of scenery is is all you need um, for your talent uh, to to be highlighted. And I think I, I do like, even though it does create issues, the transfer portal. Kids need to go where they have an opportunity to play because literally they have three to four years to show whether or not they belong at the next level. Every year of eligibility that you lose or a system that doesn't fit your skill set, we got to, you know, we got to deal with the collateral damage of having this much liberty in the transfer portal, because I think overall it's the best thing for these kids to continue to be able to seek out the opportunity that's right for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great thing, no matter how much you hate it or when your team loses, Two two backup quarterbacks, and you only have one guy. As much as as much as a fan base might hate it because of their selfishness for their team, it's great yep. for the sport and great for the kids, and that's what the, that's what matters. And it's great for teams, right? You yep. avoid like Alabama's like, all right, we have John Mechie, we need another big time receiver. Boom, they go snatch Jamison Williams. It's great for them. It's great for Jamison. Everyone's happy. Yep, <laughs> except for the rest of college football. <laughs> well, yeah. Except for like Auburn, they're not too happy. About it. <laughs> Um, one thing we saw, we saw Cincinnati get a big win this weekend, uh, knowing that a lot of the top programs that we expected to come out the gates really dominating haven't done that yet this year. I, I know it's week one, but uh, is this the year, Zach? Is this the year that Cincinnati might have a shot at, at making the playoffs? Well, they're going to have a shot, right? They, they got some big time games coming down, na namely the, the Notre Dame game. And what I saw from Notre Dame against Florida State, Cincinnati is going to beat them. Now, obviously, teams can develop, things can change, but if they can come out and beat Notre Dame and and and, and win their big games, they're absolutely going to get in the playoffs this year. It's it's always for those small schools. It's always like, all right, if you had a dominant year the year before, and then you come back the next year, and somehow, I guess by luck, because this stuff's done five, six, seven years out, by luck you have two really big opponents, and you can knock them off. Yep. Then now you got a resume. You got a, yeah. you got a two year resume, right? Now you're kind of telling them, listen. Enough with your excuses. Like we've done it for two straight years. Put us in. We can play with the big boys. And I think that's if they can find a way to do it, that's a real conversation. And Luke might find himself in a playoff. And that the hype around the quarterback is real. It's real. Oh, he's good. Oh, he's, he's really, good. really good. He's good. The team is a, it's a great. Yeah, it's a really, team. really good team. Great, it's a really team. good team. Um, you know the the <laughs> the storyline. I usually there are a couple coaches that I never miss the opportunity to be critical of. One being Dabo and the other one being uh, Brian Kelly. Although this weekend we saw the latest case of cancel culture. I had no issue with his comment. I heard it live, but it grew a reaction that got people immediately in the on social media trying to trying to like take his head off for making a comment that if you know football is a comment that Basically, it's it's an alliteration between execution and execution. He wasn't literally talking about killing his players, but in the sensitivity culture we live in, um, people 
were not happy about it. And I actually did appreciate his response yeah, right, <laughs> afterwards right. where he was like, I guess I can't be funny anymore. We're not allowed to be funny anymore in 2021. And well, it, mean, it resonated, I mean, you know? <laughs> I mean, honestly, the only thing that I was appalled and just absolutely offended about was Brian Kelly thought he was going to be funny. Like, yeah, he's like a stiff. He's not funny. Like you thought it yeah. would go over well. It was horrible delivery. <laughs> yeah, and it was the, terrible. The joke wasn't that funny in and of itself. Like the offensive thing was Brian Kelly thought he was funny. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's accurate. I think that's accurate. Caught up in being a not funny person making a joke. <laughs> yeah. Right. Is there's nothing, there, there's nothing more offensive than a, an unfunny person trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> Go, going into week two, what are the matchups outside of Ohio State? Oregon what are the key matchups that you see this week you know what I haven't even looked into the schedule too much I know that there's a there's a, a bunch of big games but I'm mostly I, at this point the way week one went I'm not even looking at matchups I'm looking at teams that are supposed to be good it doesn't matter who they play look at Oklahoma yeah. Tulane I just want to see how some of these teams develop and bounce back I'm I, I thought Alabama Miami was going to be a pretty decent matchup it wasn't it was a blowout I thought Oklahoma Tulane would be a blowout and it wasn't so I'm done even predicting which ones are going to be good games. I'm just yeah. ready to watch them all and see who who improves, who fixes things, right? Obviously, Ohio State-Oregon is going to be the marquee matchup this weekend, and I think yep. you're going to learn a lot about, about Ohio State, really. And uh, I'm curious to see how the SEC bounces back. I don't care who they play, every single yep. team. I mean, the SEC, all you had was Bama. Georgia, you yep. could say, had a great defensive performance, but albeit injuries, they were their offense was putrid. And besides those two teams – Everyone was bad. I mean, going from LSU losing to, to UCLA, right? I, I, here, let me give you the list, right? LSU got exposed by UCLA. Florida looked awful against FAU. Mississippi State beat Louisiana Tech by one. Missouri beat Central Michigan by 10. I mean, Auburn dominated Akron. A&M dominated Kent State. I mean, South Carolina got dis, uh, just destroyed an Eastern Illinois team. Vandy was embarrassed. Vandy was embarrassed by East Tennessee State. It's like the wow. conference really looked bad to me. And, I, you know, us Midwest people will be here for that if that's the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see, like, does the SEC bounce back? Like, who's good? I don't know. I know Bama's yeah. good. That's it. The rest looks yep. awful. Yeah. To that point, it's a good year for literally every other conference to see the SEC yeah. struggle right off the bat. I, I think we all kind of felt that um, this year going in, they didn't really have the same kind of star power that they had the last couple of years across the conference, just in Alabama, really in a concentrated way. So um, Georgia might be one of those teams that kind of sits around and does that little fake, like, hey, we might be in the playoffs, we might not thing. But I don't really see anybody else other than Alabama making a meaningful step up in there. No, the only the only team Texas A and M look decent. Yeah, the only, only that was just say the only other team that I think has a chance to be really really good is A and M. I mean, you're not going to learn much playing Kent State, but they've got yeah. a quarterback, they've got a defense. I mean, A and M could be the team that that makes some waves. I don't know if anyone can beat Alabama from what I saw on on Saturday, but um, A and M's the other team. I think if Georgia can get some receivers healthy, get them back from injury, and A and M is who I think they are. There's going to be three legit teams in the SEC, but what you watch the Big Ten co conferences last weekend, Iowa is real. Wisconsin and Penn State, real defense. Yeah. Right? Ohio State is real. Um, yeah. Outside of that, probably no one else, but that's four teams. That's more than the SEC yeah. has. Yeah, absolutely. What, about, what, what did you make of UCLA? Was that more about uh, LSU not being very good, or do you think UCLA might be back? Might no, I think UCLA is going to have a really solid year. I think people are going to start – buzzing about chip kelly a little bit one of my you know one of my longtime friends is the offensive coordinator there he's the offensive line coach 
and he's doing a great job. Their offensive line looked great. Their run game looked great. I mean, they they came out and I mean they manhandled LSU and sent sent Eddie O packing with his sissy blue shirt, right? Yeah, that was a great marketing, marketing oh, win. Phenomenal. <laughs> great marketing win there. Did uh, uh did you see uh did we talk about your boys at UNC yet, Zach? Yeah. That was tough. That was tough. That was your sleeper, your dark horse. No, we talked oh, about no, UNC. Oh, UNC. I thought you said yeah. USC. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Talked, yeah, we talked yeah, about UNC. Yeah, we did. Yeah. What yeah. we do need to talk about is what you've uncovered in your uh, in your investigative report on Bishop Sycamore. That's what I was really looking for. Well, I'm going to tell you what. It, <laughs> it is wild. So if you didn't see, they came out, they, they hired a new head coach um, or promoted a new head coach, I guess. And now they are, um, he came out and said, all these reports about us not being a school. We're not a school. We're not at all a school. We're not about that or something. I was like, what? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> so I'm investigating, but it's like investigating in the like swamplands of Florida, trying to like figure out like what fish came first. It's like, I don't even know where to look or where to begin. It's such a mess. That is crazy. And one other thing that I know you, you spent some time in is the NFL season's about to start too. Mm. How's your fan? How are your fantasy drafts? Who are you excited about this year? And so I have, I've, be, I've only, I've only done one. I'm, I'm in three fantasy leagues, right? One is kind of a, a money league with friends. One is a family league. And then the last one is our menace to sports league, which has the draft tonight. But I think I had a solid draft. I mean, I'm excited about, about um, a number of players uh, and how, how they're going to do Michael Thomas went in the sixth round, which I think is probably pretty Pretty accurate with his injury concern, yeah. no Drew Brees, but I think I'm gonna be honest. But if you can survive the first six weeks and you get him back in week seven, you've got a gem right there. Yeah, you do. And, and with Jameis Winston working with Sean Payton, I think I think yeah. that he, he might be a steal in like the sixth or seventh round. Yeah. Um. Obviously, really excited to see Nick Chubb. I mean, just that offense and the momentum he has. Um. It's just gonna be interesting to see Pat Pat Mahomes. Can he do this forever? Right. Like, is he just gonna be dominant for his whole career, or yeah. is he ever gonna have a down year? That's really yeah. what I want to know. <laughs> And Lamar Jackson has some real weapons now. How are they yeah. going to be utilized? You know, yeah, that's it. And I, I mean, I think the the running back situation in Baltimore is a train wreck. I mean, yeah, JK going down, and then I just saw yesterday their backup running back. Yeah, they lost out. Hill too. They lost. Yeah, Hill it's too. like so they're going to have to find a free agent or something. But Lamar Jackson can run, so I think they, yeah. they'll be able to move. He's the ball their RB. He's fine. their RB one, anyways. No so. doubt. <laughs> they just need to get a fullback. Yeah, right. That's all. <laughs> just bring back Mark Ingram and let him lead block. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. It's going to be an exciting year. It's just great to see everything kind of back in football, be in full swing with people watching games. So it's going to be amazing. So really looking forward to it. Um, and also, I am glad to see Terry McLaurin getting like wide receiver one respect across the board in fantasy drafts too. There's no doubt, he was a, sec a second or third rounder in our draft, and you know that's that's really high for a wideout. Yep. 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 So, and it wasn't my son. My son usually only tries to draft players that he knows. He didn't draft him, so that means it wasn't just like a relationship thing. <laughs> it was based. It was based on merit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Going to be an exciting season. Looking forward to it, Zach. Let you get out of here. Um, get back to it. Make sure when you're tuning into the Ohio State game, you also tune into Zach's live stream. It is filled with. Great analysis, often much better than the analysis you're hearing on TV. Um, just make sure you tune in. It's always fun to hear hear Zach live stream and live broadcast a game. For yeah, sure, man. Nice. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on. Show the Pilot Boy some love by getting some of our exclusive merch. 
at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Hey, this is Partha. Not only am I a pilot boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. I started Lasso to help people improve their movement on a daily basis. We design and create compression apparel that enables you to move confidently, recover safely, and ultimately be the best version of yourself. We use a patented compression technology that activates key ligaments and tendons to help you improve your proprioception, coordination, and balance on a daily basis. Lasso socks were recently ranked number one by Men's Health because of how much they improve how your body works and the overall comfort, softness, and feel of the product. We're very proud of the Lasso socks, so check them out on our website at lassogear.com or at lassogear. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. Pilot Boys in the building, back after a long weekend, man. That didn't really feel like a long weekend. It just felt like another weekend. Maybe it's because of COVID and us all used to being at home as much as we are. Maybe it's that. Yeah, kind of the same thing, man. I mean, it was it definitely passed by fast. You know, I remember as a kid, a long weekend used to feel like forever. But whenever a long weekend comes around on Sunday, I don't know why. I always feel like like sad because I know Monday is my last day. Yeah, and then it's it's funny as you get older, it gets frustrating too sometimes when you start the week on Tuesday, you're like, man, this week is going to fly by. It used to be great to have short weeks when you're when you're working for the man, but when you're working for yourself, you're like, man, that's one less day. Yeah, yeah, that too, exactly. <laughs> you need to get shit done and everyone's on vacation still. Yep, yep. Now people yep. are dropping off their kids at school, so that, that gets in the way too. Everyone's got a kid they got to drop off right now and so all the meeting times are moving. I'm sure that's impacted LA traffic quite a bit. <laughs> hey, I mean, you won't see me on the roads before. Like, if it's not like before 9 a.m., I won't be on the road till the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see kids back in school, though. Yeah, it is. it's nice. Sure, for the parents, parents especially. <laughs> Life's getting a little bit back to normal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we got some fun news and notes today, man. Uh, I'm. I'm very high on today's topic you know just because my favorite artist dropped the project on friday we got certified lover boy from drake it was amazing you know i'm i'm just i'm gonna let you chime in v because i think you're gonna have a less biased opinion on this and i have i'll give two takes i'll give my take as a fan i'll give like the real take what did you think well First of all, when you started a baseline with Drake, it's like, you know, it's not going to be bad. Right. But he's kind of the standards are higher when you're evaluating uh, an artist of his caliber's album. And I just think with um, and it was very good. I listened to it the second as as always with Drake. Um, the second time I listened to it, I found more and more I liked about it. Um, and it seems like that's that's typical. Um, but it just seemed like sonically um, the album stayed in a pocket for the most part and did not leave that pocket. It was like, I made this album for me. I made this for myself. This wasn't a, a an album filled with like songs that I feel like are going to immediately be all over the airways, all over the clubs. Although 
as with most things, Drake, there will be a couple of tracks that they kind of force on us, right? And eventually people will like. Um, but I thought that was that was it. There was a lot of the 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 introspection, you know, the same kind of subject matter um, that we always get from Drake, which I think his core fan base always appreciates and loves because they feel everything that he's saying. But for me, I would have liked to see a little bit more growth um, in terms of content from him at some point. I don't know when that's going to come, but subject matter and content, you're only going to be able to write about what you want to write about, right? Or whatever you're going through. But it would be nice to see kind of some level up, level up and changes. He has, he has the opportunity to do that. Overall, the album was good. I don't think it was great. Um, and I think it's just another, another part of Drake's very large library that the people who love are going to love. Um, the people who want to hate are going to hate. I fall somewhere in between, which is this is really good. Um, but I expected a little bit more, especially after hearing scary hours, you know, having three songs that were bangers like that and then not have any songs like that on the album was a little disappointing specifically for me. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. I wonder if we're going to get a deluxe because I was surprised not to see Laugh Now, Cry Later on the project. And, you know, usually that would help with streaming numbers. So we'll have to see how how all of this pans out. But um, I tend to agree in terms of Sonics. It was down his usual lane. Um, me as a fan, this was exactly what I wanted to hear. I just wanted more Drake. And for me, it was like a continuation on Take Care from a thematic element standpoint. That was really nice. That was very satisfying. And I tend to like Drake for drives at night and for plane flights. That's yeah. where he really like hits a pocket for me. During the daytime, I don't really listen to his music just because it, it tends to be a little bit more re reflective, I think. Plus, like, dude, I don't know. Do you listen to that much rap during the day anymore? I don't listen to music nearly as much as as I used to, I listen to music in the car. Like you said, yeah. I listen to music when I'm working out. Um, but for the most part, you know, my day isn't consumed with digesting, digesting as much music as I used to, you know, yeah, I unless I hear good. something's good. Someone tells me something's good. I'll listen to an artist that I know I'll listen to their music fairly consistently. But in terms of just tapping in while I'm working, I don't listen to music as much as I used to. Yeah, I, f I feel honestly the exact same way, bro. I mean, consuming media in general has phased out of my life a lot. And music, even in the car, I'm finding like I sometimes prefer to just lower the windows and just drive, listen to yep. the world. Yep. Yep. There's a lot, you know, and I think, again, they, they always say that the music is specifically most music listeners are going to be 20 consistent music listeners are going to be people who have less going on in their lives and they tend to yeah. be younger, right? Where you can really focus in and that can be a central part of your life. Whereas yeah. as you get older, you've got other responsibilities and priorities like a job and making money that makes it harder to really, really tap into your love for music the way that you did. And then there's just so much music. Like if the more longer you live, the more music you've heard that you like. So it's like, you're not going to be listening to this, especially the same thing as consistently because your own library of music is wide, is much wider than it is when you early on starting to really tap into music. Yeah. 
Yeah, couldn't agree more. There's a lot of projects that I think hold sentimental weight based on when they came out in your life. Mm-hmm. Too. Those tend to be the ones you like to listen back to. But when it comes to new projects, I think it's easy to get disappointed with any artist because the new project, you haven't anchored it to any sort of experiences yet. And yeah. you know, years down the line, like I felt like this with Views. I was critical of Views. And then a couple a couple years later, I listened to it you know, kind of unbiased because I, I had gotten far away enough from my fandom. And I loved it. It's like one of my favorite Drake projects. And when I heard it, I thought it was going to be, I thought he he had completely lost his touch. And so, you know, it just goes to show that like your initial reaction in these situations is never really the right one. For and, and at the end of the day, it's your reaction, right? I think too many people get caught up in trying to make sure their opinion is is validated. Like if they say an album sucks, they want you to, they basically are arguing that without taking into taking into consideration that no person listens to music the same way you do. And so if you're critical of it, keep that criticism to yourself. It's valid. You may not like it, but if overwhelmingly the feedback for CLB by his core fan base has been overwhelmingly positive, positive. So I don't think, you know, and the streaming numbers are, they, they are the top streaming numbers of all time, regardless of it missing certain content. Drake, um, at the end of the day, when you evaluate an artist, specifically a hip hop artist, which I don't really evaluate him as anymore, um, to get this is album number eight, right? For him. Yeah. To get, to get eight quality albums. That's very rare. Typically in hip hop, people's debut album does well, and then they don't, learn how to mature and adjust sonically to the times and you see very very often people having short careers so just the fact that we're eight albums in um and overall we can be somewhat critical but we can't be overly critical because sonically the music was amazing the production was amazing the sample choices were amazing there was a lot of creativity in the marketing as always the first music video that came out was hilarious like you know 95 percent of stuff is always done right with drake so we can sit here and argue about the five percent that we don't like all day just because i think people want to find a reason to criticize him um and those people will always exist but overall i mean i don't think there's anything you can say negative about this album for real outside of the fact that maybe it wasn't for you um and you expected a little bit more of more stuff that you like from drake Right. Yeah. It is interesting the um, internet culture around this and Donda, the desire to compare them when they're kind of completely different projects. Yeah. Very different. The desire to, you know, pick a winner again in two totally different contexts. And then the general desire to dislike something that takes people a, a considerable amount of time and effort to create. Yeah, it's cool to hate something that took a lot of work right off the bat, because I think like people who hate, there's the presumption that they have taste. Right. But yeah, oftentimes they don't. Oftentimes they hate just for attention. Yeah, that's really what this is. It's it's it gives you more attention to say you don't like Drake's album than to say you do. Right. Like everyone else is saying. And that's the problem with the kind of the the age we live in. Right. People are looking for. Um, reasons to critique and unfortunately like with with his album it's like okay well 
you weren't, you know how they always say you weren't with me in the gym. You know, <laughs> you definitely weren't in the lab because you can tell just by how it was put together and how cohesive it was, whether it's for you or not, that a considerable amount of effort, time, and intention was put into the album. And that's all you can ask for from your artist. I remember Lil Wayne during his prime released like a rock album that was not received well at all. Um, and I never understood that because it wasn't horrible. It was just him taking a, taking a creative chance. And it's like, you get this like mob mentality where fans expect you to do the same thing over and over and over again until you're dead as an artist. Essentially it's like, no artists grow, you know, Picasso's first painting wasn't the same as his second painting and so on and so forth, right? So why in music do we have to kind of be critical of maybe a miss, you know? Yeah. I've seen some Picasso do, pieces that I thought were pretty ugly myself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the other thing is like people people are scared of evolution with their artists and like there's two reactions. One is if they put out a project like Drake just put out, people say there was no growth on it. That was a mm-hmm. common criticism I heard. When he shows growth, they'll say, "Man, why can't he put out an album like Take Care?" That was yeah. his best work. So there's no, there's no winning, you know. And that's that's in regular life too. Like I experienced the same thing. Like I was, I spent the weekend really reflecting on that. I would say like the difference between what people will say and what they like act like they expect from you, and what actually matters and drives behavior. Because a lot of the noise that you tend to hear when you do things that I think are are authentic to you is mostly mob mentality. It's mostly people saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. like we want you to also believe the same thing as us, exactly. make the same decisions as us." And it takes a lot of confidence to make your own decisions all the time, and it rubs people the wrong way if they're not ready to handle that or comfortable with it. And you know, that's that was something I was reflecting on over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, and also like I think the whole concept of criticism is one that we need to kind of question because oftentimes what we're looking at in in how these things are structured whether it's in sports whether it's in music whether it's in any any other field the people who are doing the criticizing aren't actually people who could do the same thing right they couldn't they're evaluating a musician and maybe that's the balance you know that maybe that's what creates the balance to make them valid as critics but it's just like if if you're not an artist, if if you're just a journalist whose opinion on your on on the music is your opinion, then why is that even being disseminated for the masses? Because it's influencing other people's opinions oftentimes before they even listen to a project, especially yeah. on social media, because people get the general consensus without even listening and be like, Drake's album was trash or Kanye's album was trash and you haven't even listened to it. You're just going based on an opinion that someone else had. So you're not even consuming the art or the content anymore through your own perspective. It's like everybody, like you said, my mentality, it's like everybody's opinions are being framed by the content that they consume. Yeah. It's the same thing with movies too, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, you you ask someone to go see a movie, they're just like, oh, I heard that was a trash movie. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, everything's a trash movie if you read the reviews, right? Like, everything sucks if you read reviews, but can't we figure it out on our own? And isn't it okay to go see a movie we wanted to see and not not enjoy it? You know, what happened <laughs> to that? 
And why, if you don't like something, why is it so important for you to tell everyone in the world that you don't like it? Just, just pass and don't consume it. Let whoever wants to consume it, consume it. There's like this culture of like destroying people's joy that we have as well. It's just like, oh, you, you like this thing? Well, let me tell you why you shouldn't and why you're wrong. (laughs) This stuff is nuts, bro. Well, I mean, I think that's probably a, a good button on CLB. You know, don't hate it. Listen to it and enjoy it. Same thing with Donda. Yeah, yeah. And there's something to appreciate in terms of artistry from both of those albums that if you appreciate music, you can take away from whether you you like or dislike. Yep. Um, moving forward, the NFL is back. V, I got to be honest, I spent the weekend mostly focused on college football. Did you catch the NFL? Well, the NFL starting this week, so they gave oh, us a that week. That is excellent because I was sitting here like, wow, I totally missed those games. Yeah, usually this is what typically happens with football. There's like this like courtesy that that uh, the NFL gives to its free, well, not free anymore, but its free feeder system um, by saying, hey, we're going to give you guys a week before uh, before the NFL games to really hit home runs, have Thursday night games. You know, Ohio State played on Thursday, Saturday. There's a game tonight, I believe, as well. Um, but I thought it was a great start to the college football college football season. We saw some upsets. Um, we might we saw some issues with Clemson that we'd never seen before. That was um, satisfying. Yeah, was really yeah, satisfying. yeah. And I think, uh, but the NFL, fantasy football, sports betting, you know, is – is back. You saw it, college football tailgating is back. The stadiums were packed with fans, which last year was very tough to watch for 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 us to just see empty stadiums and you know tw- twelve guys, you know eleven guys on each side going at each other, and you know it was a different experience than we're used to. Um, I think it was great for the players because it made it easier. So I don't know if numbers will go down this year, like in terms of efficiency. Um, but it's still exciting to see that element in games of fans. We saw the Ed Orgeron UCLA kind of thing where he got into it with a fan. Those, the trash talk afterwards where UCLA printed the shirt, you know, that the sissy blue t shirt, uh, basically <laughs> making fun of Orgeron after they got beat. Uh, I just, I just love all of that. Um, seeing all of that and also UCLA getting. Getting a win, right? They're yeah, a traditional blue bug. Yeah, that was a big one for the Pac-12 and for their reputation. Um, but it's NFL time now. You know, it's it's the pros. You know, and I think the NFL is the most popular sport um, in America for a reason, right? Um, they do it very well. There's, it's competitive. There's parity. New teams go from loser to winners every year. Um, and there's just there's just a lot to be excited about. Are the Bucks going to repeat and give old man Brady another another championship? Is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are they going to be back? What are the Browns going to do? Um, you know, down here in Houston, it's just disappointment after disappointment. Basically, like how do we get the number one pick? <laughs> it's just drama. Everything, all the news that you hear out of Houston, it's not related to football. It's related to stuff that's going on off the field, and that's that's sad. And you know what's specifically sad about it is that that stadium is going to be sold out every week 
this season. And that's why I, I just don't like a bad organization being rewarded for being bad. And that's why they're not improving. If everyone's buying tickets and concessions yeah. and you're sold out, the fans should just boycott a game when your team is that bad and making this piss poor of an effort to be competitive. They'll get their shit together pretty quick. But it just the NFL experience is something that I think um, people don't want to turn away from, specifically in Texas where football is, is literally religion, you know, at yeah. every level. And NFL games are a freaking blast, too. Uh, tailgating, the whole culture around it. Man, I got to say, like, that is one thing that I don't feel L.A. does well. Is football. No, football is horrible in L.A., yeah. and they know it. That's why there wasn't a team there for a while, and it's like, I didn't understand the Chargers move because they had a very rabid fan base in San Diego. I like of the California towns. I like the Padres fans, the Chargers fans. They seem to be um, authentic for Southern California to to kind of move those teams away from markets that were endearing just to get the TV numbers. Um, was interesting, um, but it was bound to happen at some point. But have you been to the new? I heard the new stadium is amazing, though. Yeah, I need to get to a game down there. I haven't been yet, um, but I'm very curious. I've been near it. I've driven past it a couple times. The stadium is beautiful. Yeah. But I just wonder if you go in there that it's so like L.A. vibe that you you lose out on football. It's not really a football experience. It's like a, another. A I will say yeah. the soccer games are very authentic here. They have an amazing culture for, for soccer. Um but yeah, I don't know. I'll have to update you. I have felt I've gone to basketball games before. Clippers games, not great. I have not gone to a Lakers game yet, but I assume those are incredible. Yeah, I mean they 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 are, but you know, like most things in LA, if you're really really good, then they love you and if you're average, they don't they don't care. So <laughs> that's what like having the roots to Ohio, that it just shows you like how much you can value certain things because that's all you can have is all you have sometimes as a community yeah exactly yeah. exactly we didn't have pro right we had well you're you're closer to cleveland so there's the browns affiliation but in columbus um there was no pro affiliation at all so you either pick the browns or the Bengals, and you know we we always lean browns because bet it's, it's better yeah yeah. yeah, or or they take the safe option of the Steelers or one of the national teams, Steelers or Cowboys. Yeah, That's, there are a lot of Steelers fans in Ohio. <laughs> a ton of Steelers fans, and it feels yeah. like you shouldn't be a Steelers fan in Columbus. No, it, it definitely feels that way. But everyone's always it, like, "Oh, my parents went to college in Pitt." It's like, okay, it's four years. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, and they they invest quite a bit in uh, in scouting talent. That's a big part of it too. They yeah. they get players from all the colleges in Ohio um, on their teams, the including Ohio State. Good, like they win. No, yeah, they're a great organization yeah. that scouts well and does well and never really falls to the bottom. They might have a rebuilding year, but they never really fall out of contention. And that's that is you know the hallmark of a good organization. And I think. There are certain teams, the Steelers, the Patriots, um, that stay consistently good um, year in and year out. And those are kind of the model organizations. I think a lot of 
the younger organizations should look to in terms of building a culture yeah. and consistency. We put the Ravens on that list last year too. Yep, yep. The Ravens are all, are Amazing. always in the mix. Yep. Amazing. Yep. So, um, you know, talking about pro sports, uh, on the other side of things, things are getting crazy in the basketball world. Um, lots of trades happening, lots of drama happening in the offseason as expected, changes in a lot of the reporting. And also um, Ben Simmons, the 76er star, has demanded a trade officially. Um, what do you think about this, V? Well, the reason this, again, to me, illustrates why Ben Simmons doesn't belong on the 76ers. Um, you messed up. You did not play well. You had all the criticism of you was valid. And in actuality, some people on the, in the organization tried to defend you. Some people um, were critical. Um, not to, not in the hope of saying, "Hey, Ben Simmons, I, I'm criticizing you." It was to light a fire under his ass. That's what it came across to me. But the exact opposite happened. He doubled down like a little. Uh, well, let me not say it. Uh, uh, <laughs> he he kind of punk- twenty one. We can't talk like that anymore. Yeah, yeah, a little. <laughs> he he, uh, he punked out a little bit here. You know, and it showcases a lack of competitive spirit, a lack of probably self-belief too. It's like, okay, Ben Simmons, do you? You're paid a lot of money because this organization believes in you. They gave you a supermax contract. They haven't traded you yet. You disappeared completely in the playoffs as a supermax player. Embrace and accept the criticism and say, look. I deserve the critique. I'm working on getting better and get better and give the seven. If the 70, if you do want to get traded, don't say you're just show up to camp ball out, keep that under wraps. But to do this, it's just like such a childish move. I, I don't see it any other way. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think pretty much the same way. I think, uh, what, I would do if I were the Sixers and you know, there's some risk here is if a player who had signed a contract demanded a trade, like there's so much history of like the way Kawhi handled it. Right. Or the way yep. that um, AD handled it. And I think that as a star player, you should be bound to the contract you signed the same as any other player. It's not like JJ Reddick can demand a trade and get the trade. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if I'm the Sixers, I think, I think you can have the conversation, but if it's a player as valuable as Ben Simmons and you're not getting the offers because of how shitty he played at the end of the season and you're going to lose value as at, by honoring that trade request, I think that's something you tell him and you say, hey, listen, like we can't trade you till you start putting up this stat line. Yeah. And here's our plan to get you there. You know, and if you don't want to play and work with us to make this happen, we'll we'll trade you once you get to a certain level of skill so we can get, you know, the necessary assets to our team to help us continue to win. But if you don't, we'll find you, you know, if you don't play. Right. Yeah. And I think overall there's enough history in sports that we've seen that the people who respond to the type of criticism that Ben Simmons had this year by getting in the gym, working, keeping their mouths shut and showing up the next year and shutting everyone up versus, 
oh man, you guys were critical of me and I deserve the criticism. So therefore, please trade me. No, you're paid way too much money and the expectations are too high for me, for you to, 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 to be that small. Yeah. I, I can't. It was like a, a rookie, you know, third, second round draft pick, but no, the, the 76ers have paid you according to your talent. Show up and be great. You know, yeah. simple. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's not even, <laughs> nobody's saying even that he missed a lot of shots. The criticism yeah. is that he didn't take enough shots. Cause he was scared. Yeah. This shows, this shows that he's scared. Yeah, this isn't a way to like eliminate that criticism. You know what I mean? It exacerbates the entire situation. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> man, oh, poor man. Ben. Hopefully, he poor gets ben. it together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, Philly and uh, the associating areas, New York, Jersey, were hit by Hurricane Ida this past weekend. Uh, week, I heard from many friends a lot of crazy stories over there. Uh, flooding, um, a lot of property damage, tornadoes. Um, so, you know, our, our best wishes to everybody going through that. Yeah, this has been a, Ida has been a pretty bad storm here because, you know, typically it, it impacted Louisiana and went up the coast. I don't think we've seen anything like this um, hit the East Coast. And at least in my history, you know, my my time, I, I don't think I've ever heard that the subways in New York were flooding. Downtown Philly was completely flooded. It looked like New Orleans out there. Um, so, you know, these natural disasters seem to be happening more and more frequently. You know, to some, it's, it's uh, a sign or a reminder to humanity to take better care of the earth that we live in, maybe. Um, that's kind of one line of thinking. And, you know, the other thought is just mother nature is mother nature and you know we have to prepare for these things and be ready for them and and respond to them it's just when you're not in a place like new orleans and new orleans and houston hurricane season comes it's like when is the flood gonna come not if yeah uh, but it seems like philly and new york the way they they were hit they weren't it's like snow falling in miami right like you're not expecting that in in a major metropolitan East Coast city to have to deal with deal with that. Yeah, this is accurate. It's always always chaos whenever these you know weather patterns change and uh, we get hit with these surprise events. But it it almost feels like it's getting more and more frequent. At least that's what uh you know climate change would have us have us uh, believing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh. So prayers out to everyone over there. If you have a few extra bucks, uh, donate to some of the the good the good organizations that are actually helping helping people out there. Yeah, and if uh, if you have a home, uh, you know, definitely if you live in one of these areas where things can happen, definitely consider getting that that insurance. Yes, definitely yeah. gonna be worth it in that case. Yeah, um, it's gonna be crazy out there because I don't know how many people took the flood out flood flood option on their insurance policies um on the east coast it's not a common situation you only do it if you live in a floodplain you yeah. know so and that's that's the area hopefully the insurance companies uh do the right thing here uh more often than that <laughs> yeah yeah 100 <laughs> percent uh meanwhile uh down in texas we're seeing uh you know some psychotic lawmaking a little bit very um, psychotic lawmaking 
and they passed a new law to ban abortions in the state of Texas. Uh, honestly, like in a state that claims to be the state of freedom, they should not be legislating to take away freedoms. Yeah, and a whole bunch of men should not be the people who are deciding um, deciding what women should do with their bodies, right? Yeah. This this most of this legislation is is built by uh, men who are stuck in 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 an era where they think that they get to dictate what women do and don't do, um, and that people do can do what they do and don't do. But the truth is that this is a another one of those topics that I always find fascinating in politics because it's like one of the primary things that people campaign on. Are you pro-life or pro-choice? And if you really look at like the impact that that has on society and whether or not that should be what we're prioritizing, it clearly isn't. We have thousands of problems bigger than this. It's a personal choice. Let people make the decisions that they want to make with their own bodies. You don't get to tell someone, hey, this is this is what you get to do with your body. It's like one of the most basic, like fundamental rights that you have as a human being um, that I don't understand why people are trying to really violate. But I know that it's based in, again, a lot of the things that are used to drive Southern poor, uneducated voters, which is, you know, Jesus says abortion is wrong. And that's, you know, there's that's even questionable, <laughs> you know, um, and there's no I don't think there's anywhere in the Bible that, that 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 clearly states, hey, you can't have an abortion. You know, what I mean, like um, so it's just another one of those things that's used to manipulate for votes because it's a hot button issue. Um, and for Republicans being staunchly pro-life is a way to get more votes. Um, and if you're a Democrat, being pro-choice is a way to get more, more votes. But nobody here is really trying to do the right thing, which is it's not our business at all. <laughs> yeah. And the whole, I, I got to say it, the whole killing babies argument is a whack argument. There's, yeah. this is, there's no life during the period of time that we're talking about for an abortion. You know, nobody's saying that they want late term abortions either on either side. And you know what else is really wacky about this and how I know that they're just catering to this this mob of people that are just violent and, and are looking for conflict? Mm-hmm. You can actually get paid um, by bringing suit. You weren't even related in this in this legislation. If you were like a, a, a third party that's not even involved in the case, you can go and sue the doctor who performed the abortion on someone else. Wow. And actually get a payout for it. Wow. That's nuts. Of up to $10,000. Like, why would you even like, if you have any responsibility as a politician or public servant, why would you put something like, like that in? And it comes down to, I say this a lot, we over litigate in this country and we look for reasons to litigate because it is so damn profitable. It's how you keep the courts open. It's how you keep city coffers rich with fines it's divorces are huge money makers like having things to legislate like we already (laughs) over litigate in this country now to add this influx of cases because you know every like we know the one thing we do know is that the pro-life folks 
will do anything in their power to create issues. So all of those folks are going to start suing doctors and suing, suing, suing mothers who, who aborted children that aren't even theirs. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be a nuts time, but, um, you know, important for everyone to just remember that if it doesn't concern you, yeah, yeah do no what, no need, to, no yeah. need to try and block it. And, and if you are pro-life, exercise that within your community and your family, but don't tell yeah. other people what to do with their lives. 100%. Simple. 100%. Yeah. You got your vote too. <laughs> um, man, yeah, that's nuts. You know, it actually, that Texas law, just it's just another one of those things in this country where it's like, it doesn't matter what side the parties are on. They're just yep. trying to fuck with you. Yep. They yep. just want control. That's it. That's all they care about. They yeah. Control you. And they're testing things to see how things will poll always. Yeah. And if they find that the majority of Texas voters, because I've learned and that a lot of Republicans have been hesitant to jump on board and support this legislation. Um, the Department of Justice actually came in and said that they're going to protect um, women in Texas. So this is also creating a federal state level conflict. Um, they'll be intriguing to watch, but this is, this is what we're talking about in America right now. When, you know, with everything going on, on what your position is on, on abortion. Now let's focus on other things. It's interesting too, because Texas has as a, as a red state, you know, has a lot to win on by, staying socially liberal and taking essentially the new generation of Democrats that are super disappointed with Biden's presidency. Yes. So you can have a mass migration here if you're the Republican Party of young people voting red, probably for the first time really ever. And uh, this, this is a move that negates that. Like You'd think politicians, even in the amount of strings they're trying to pull, would, would see the obvious wins, but they don't. Yeah. Very similar to the whole gun legislation thing, right? You have a very loud and well-funded minority um, that has a lot of power in a country that is supposed to be majority rules. Yeah. Um, and I think in both of those cases, I think majority of America is more gun, gun laws um, and less stringent um, control over women and their bodies. I always yeah. want to reflect on this is not a, the word abortion can be something that immediately causes people to have an emotional reaction. But if you look at it from the perspective of controlling a woman's body and dictating to them what they can and can't do, because you're not going through the pregnancy. Pregnancy is a very dangerous thing. It also is something if you're not prepared for, you know, accidents happen, you know, uh, things happen, rape happens. There are so many different causes of this for us to not just like still in, in, in 2021 cast judgment on people for making a life decision uh, for themselves. Yeah, pretty nuts. Um, final topic. Uh, this is the 25th anniversary of Tupac's death. Um, RIP the legend. Uh, you know, there's many who believe that he, he actually did not die, in which case I think he would be something like 49 yes yeah somewhere around there somewhere around there um <laughs> but it's it's fascinating to see guys like this i'm very surprised i don't know how much in, how in tune you are with tupac's story and tupac's music if you were anyone 
anyone who's kind of 32 and above, this was a very impactful moment uh, in history. Um, but it seems like it's one of these, Tupac is one of those guys because I see a lot of younger generation, like with same thing was like a Bob Marley. Tupac is almost like someone that even young kids tap into and consistently um, celebrate. Um, it seems like his music still resonates. His story still resonates. Um, 25 years later after his death, that's a long time. You know what I yeah. mean? I don't, and I, I'm interested to know what is it about him or other figures like this who you didn't necessarily like grow up in the generation where they're popular, but even 20 years later, there are people learning about his music and, and, and celebrating him as, as a role model or idol. Why do you think that is? And how does that kind of translate? Because there's a lot of people in the, in the nineties who are big that no one cares about anymore. What makes people yeah. want to care about you? You know, Tupac just, he just had the realest message. You know what I mean? He got right to the point on what he wanted to say. And there, I think there's just certain people who are born like, I would put Mac Miller in this category where they're like emotional or spiritual, whatever you want to call it. Like they're way ahead of their time, you know? Yeah. By the time they're like 20, they're saying things that echo throughout society. Like they're able to find truth in their words. That is, is so significant. It rubs a lot of people the wrong way because it's so honest. Right. And so yeah. those people typically die, man. Like they, yeah, they die do. very young. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough world to live in when you see it for what it really is. And you're so emotionally invested in creating change. Um, you know, it's, it's, you're going to be rejected. You're going to face a lot of depression. You're going to go through a lot of different things um, that clearly he went through um, even prior to his death um, that, you know, certain people are built for. And part of the consequence, I think Martin Luther King was very aware and he said a lot that he probably wasn't going to make it to the mountaintop with people, but it didn't change that fear is what prevents us a lot of a lot of us from being real and taking the stands that we need to take because it's okay not to be liked by everybody. Yep. You know, it's something I think we wrestle with as a society. So long as you're being honest and true to who you are, um, and you're not doing a significant amount of damage to other people, then um, that don't I, I don't ever understand why people are persecuted this way. Yeah, I w I would agree. You know, the same way I think it, it more has to do with the people around them and what they're dealing with. Right. And the way that they react to people who believe different things in them or people. who, yeah. I think in Tupac's situation, create um, it's like their power is too large. Yeah. 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 It scares yeah. people for real. I mean, yeah. And it scares honest, powerful you, people. It scares yeah, powerful are, people. Yeah. And you and I are going through this in in you know, our own way right now, you know, what I yeah. mean? like having found a lot of truth over the last couple of years to see the amount of people that are uneasy with the way that we're moving is a good thing, but it's also something you have to be mindful of. Yeah. Yep. Yes, well, sir. On that note, uh, that's the end of this pilot boys episode. And we will be back next week with more college football, a little bit of NFL and Hopefully some more interesting hip hop and NBA news. Let's get it.
Always remember, be you, you as fly, and stay moving. <laughs>